Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that American Family Insurance wants to protect your dreams. So whether you're at home singing in the shower, every note, or prefer singing your heart out in the car like Drew, cruising, you can save up to 23% when you bundle your home and auto insurance with American Family Insurance. Get a quote or find an agent at amfam.com. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Amazon's got everything you need for your dorm. From everyday essentials and school supplies, to clothes and decor, to bedding for power naps. And regular naps, too. Save on all things college at Amazon. Hello there and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me your host Dan the Viking. Now a quick shout out and a quick message to everybody who is on our Facebook group which is This Week in History podcast on Facebook. Get yourselves on there. It's very very simple to join. Click join. I'll approve you. End of. Nice. What we do we put a play a little game every single week. This week we put a picture up. And you have a guess to see what the picture is. If you guess it right, you'll know what this week's episode is about before it even comes out. For those of you who have guessed this week, it was quite an easy one. So, just a quick one for those of you who don't know or who are not on the Facebook group. It is the evacuation of Dunkirk. Now, this is possibly one of the greatest evacuations of all time and one of the turning points in the Second World War. The reason we're covering this today is for two reasons. One, it is an an awesome story of heroism in the face of adversity and pretty much the British spirit of a country coming together to save its army. The other reason I'd like to cover this story is because it's something that's very close to my heart. This battle or this evacuation of Dunkirk my great-grandfather was actually there. Now, a lot of you, I have had a few messages from a few of you that have said, you know, what is your your intro music? What is it? Where is it from? It is actually the March of the Grenadier Guards. So this is for you guys who don't know. Now, the Grenadier Guards is where my great-grandfather was a guardsman at Buckingham Palace, and that's why I have that. He was in the Grenadier Guards. So that's why that is my introduction music i personally am not um armed forces my father is in the police force and my grandfather was also in the military on my dad's side my grandfather on my mother's side was merchant navy so we do have a bit of history in our family of armed forces but i did not carry on that tradition mainly because i'm slightly overweight and uh I don't think I'd run very fast and also fat people are bigger targets so I don't really uh, don't really fancy that one so that's what we're going to cover today we are going to cover the evacuation of Dunkirk now this was in 1940 and it was from the 26th of May to the 4th of June so it wasn't something that happened overnight and it was quite a big 
project. It was known as Operation Dynamo. But before we get into the ins and outs of the evacuation of Dunkirk, it is important to be aware of the situation that was going on in Europe at this time and the speed in which Germany was basically taking Europe by storm and absolutely obliterating anybody that came into power or kept, sorry came into power came into their path and sort of showed them any sort of opposition if they wanted the land they were going to take it and they were doing whatever they could to do that and it's important to understand the situation in Europe before we understand why the evacuation even needed to happen in the first place so first things first on the 1st of September 1939 Germany invaded Poland now they invaded Poland very fast and very successfully when they did that it prompted the British and the French to declare war on Germany as they were allied with Poland and this was what started the second world war the speed in which germany managed to take over poland was quite scary they sent in the armored division which were the panzer tanks and the armored vehicles supported by the luftwaffe supported by the german kriegsmarine over the, the navy supported by pretty much the entire army they they didn't have much chance Poland they literally Germany walked in and they they took the country when they did this obviously that's what sparked the British and French involvement in the second world war had they not have done that it could have been slightly different May the 10th 1940 so we are fast forwarding a little bit is where Germany turns their attentions to the west of Germany and they start to deploy their divisions on the west side of Germany in an area that was taken off them in the First World War known as the Rhineland and what they did basically a lot of this a lot of Germany's reasons for the Second World War at this time was to take back territories that were taken off them during the Treaty of Versailles so what they did was they, they stationed their troops, their tanks, their armoured vehicles, their Luftwaffe. They put everything to the west hands, the west side of Germany. So it looks like an invasion of sort of the Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg and France, which is, if you look at Europe, it's almost like the, the four countries that border down the west hand side of Germany. Now, the French seemed pretty well protected and the French had what was known as the Maginot Line. Now the Maginot Line was a form of defences in which the French stationed most of their army. Their army was stationed at this point because they believed that the Germans wouldn't dare attack through the Maginot Line. What they did with any spare army, any spare soldiers that they had, they moved north to help the British, the British were stationed just outside of Belgium, sort of on the Belgium-Luxembourg border. Now, at this time, Belgium was a neutral country in the war and would not allow the British onto, onto Belgium soil. So the British forces had to defend France rather than defend Belgium. The reason for that was Belgium weren't sure what Germany's intentions were they weren't sure whether Germany was going to invade them 
whether they were under any sort of threat at this time because let's be honest you know Hitler and the Nazis they made they made decisions in private no one really knew until that decision had happened so Belgium was sort of trying to count their blessings almost and sort of pray that Germany was going to leave them alone and if German if they allowed Britain into Belgium then that would have been a trigger for Germany to to start invading Belgium so their plan was to stay neutral obviously a few hours into the invasion of Belgium and the attack on Belgium Belgium realized that you know Germany Germany does intend to invade them and does intend to take them as part of their land so they do then allow the British onto their soil I think it's roughly somewhere between two and a half to three hours later where they sort of turned around and went okay we see what they're we see what they're doing now and actually yeah we'd like your help so the British obviously then entered into Belgium later that day most of the Netherlands has been conquered and most of Luxembourg has also been conquered by the Nazis so it doesn't take them very long to take almost two countries over and this is where Germany takes advantage of the French now to the west side of Luxembourg where it borders France the Maginot line stopped and slightly to the west of that of the of the Maginot line was the Ardennes forest now this forest the French basically didn't bother to fortify they believed it to be too dense and too impenetrable for an, an army to get through and this is where they pretty much didn't well they not they didn't they they underestimated the Nazis and the Nazi Panzer division and uh, army A of the Nazis just went straight through the forest and into France obviously there was no one guarding it the french believed it was safe to leave alone or to not fortify it properly and the germans took full advantage of this and walked into france through the back door with basically very very little if any opposition at all now the germans fully into france now are sweeping across france behind the british forces and behind the french forces stationed to the north of the maginot line and what they do is they encircle um, the forces all the way up to the coast and they push them into a corner in the northwest sorry the northeast of france and on the 15th of may the netherlands fully surrenders to germany so now you have netherlands under german control belgium pretty much under you know being fought over luxembourg under belgian control the german forces completely taking the west hand side of of france and have encircled the british and sort of a, a few number of french soldiers to the north of france with the belgians they're completely trapped with nowhere to go and this is the point where winston churchill and and the british turn around and say we need to get our men out of there you know they are completely surrounded they're surrounded to the west and surrounded to the east there's nothing to the north but sea there's no escape for our forces they're completely surrounded by german soldiers and you know it did cause a bit of controversy back at home 
you know, Neville Chamberlain, who was the British Prime Minister at the start of the Second World War, he was an abdicator for the appeasement policy, which is what he was well known for. I did cover that slightly in the JFK episode, but the reason for his his appeasement policy was at this time Hitler did not want to invade England. He did not have a plan to have England and Britain as enemies. He he even stated earlier in the war that he you know he had no intention of going to war with Britain. He you know he wanted Britain and Germany to be allies and Neville Chamberlain used that to his advantage at the start of the war obviously when things went a little bit sour he realized that he wasn't actually the right man for the job and that's why Winston Churchill took over now he was still part of the the government he was still part of the cabinet in in parliament and he was still very influential and there were still a lot of MPs who believed that Neville Chamberlain was the right not the right man for the job but his appeasement policy was the right policy to go by and with the fact that our army was completely surrounded it looked like we were going to lose 400,000 men roughly 400,000 men you know we were in a situation where actually possibly surrendering to the Germans or at least coming up with some form of plan to not lose our entire army would have been the better way to go obviously as we know that didn't happen now as the story goes Winston Churchill he you know commander in chief he made the final decision the story goes that he was on the tube the London Underground one day and he actually spoke to members of the British public you know your average Joe's on the street and said you know what do we do what what would you guys do if you were in my position what would you do would you fight or would you surrender and they they said no you know we we won't surrender we don't surrender to terrorists basically we we're not we won't surrender to the Nazis and I think that at that point Churchill realised that the British people had his back so although some members of the parliament didn't agree with him, the general public did agree with him and the British wouldn't back down from this and they, they that was when they decided that you know we need to get our boys out of there and we need to get them home safely so this was the start now of Operation Dynamo and at the start of this operation this plan to get our boys home they really you know out of the hundred you know three four hundred thousand men that were stranded on this dunkirk beach that had been pushed back and back and back to towards the sea they really only believed they were going to get around 45 to fifty thousand home you know it was quite a quite a massive disaster you know they they really underestimated the Germans they underestimated how quickly the the Germans could move into you know to take the countries that they did and you know it it goes down as possibly one of the biggest military blunders of all time you know they really didn't didn't plan for this very well and the only way 
to do it at this you know that the british believe to to save anything would be to get a minor percentage of our our troops home around 10 to 20 percent of our troops were that's all they were looking at actually saving the rest were committed to either prisoners of war or, or dying on that beach so it really was a massive disaster at this point to make matters worse on the 22nd of may the german panzer divisions took over the french port towns of boulogne and calais now calais was the closest point or still is the closest point of france to britain with the germans taking these two ports it really did look really really dire you know that the two major ports in france boulogne is is very famous calais is very famous and these two with these two ports gone it looked like you know they really weren't going to get many men home the germans did underestimate the strategic point of dunkirk and they they didn't focus on dunkirk and this is where the allied forces ended up sort of staying and waiting for that rescue in the next week the british and french soldiers are constantly being bombarded and attacked by the german luftwaffe on that beach at dunkirk they're constantly invading bombs missiles you know everything they, they're getting shot at constantly it really does look like they're in they're backed into a corner they've marched to this beach and they don't look like many of them are going to get off this beach and on the 27th of may the first handful of british soldiers are evacuated from that beach now just to remember that although they are being evacuated you're talking hundreds of thousands of men on a beach in france miles from home and they're surrounded by enemy forces the only advantage they have is the german panzer divisions can't get onto the beach because of the way the terrain is and the boggy surroundings around dunkirk the panzer divisions couldn't get onto the beach the armies were being held back by forces mainly french forces that were fighting around the town of dunkirk to keep the germans the german forces from advancing onto the beach so the germans did have slight disadvantage from that side but the constant wave of attacks from the air you know the the soldiers on the beach they they were just constantly being bombarded they were quite a long way from air support from home although the raf did do a lot to help they did fly a lot of you know squadrons over to help the soldiers on the beach realistically the germans could stay up a, a lot longer in the air than than the british mainly because obviously the german airfields were closer and the british had to get home otherwise they'd run out of fuel and, and end up being prisoners of war so the royal air force didn't get to spend that much time in the skies over dunkirk to actually protect the soldiers that were on the ground another major disadvantage that the british had was how shallow it was at dunkirk so they were sending over 
Royal Navy ships to to retrieve our men and get them home but yet they couldn't get all the way to the beach to to save these soldiers so what they would have to do was sit in the sea further afield send the little boats to get the get the soldiers and, and bring them back onto the onto the destroyers and, and the Royal Navy ships that, that were brought over and you know really in the first day where they were aiming to get the majority of the 45,000 men off they actually only managed to get 7,669 off the beach on that first day. So the first day looked like a real struggle, really. It didn't look like they were going to achieve the the goal that they needed to achieve of getting 45,000 men off that beach. May the 28th, another big day in the evacuation of Dunkirk. There's a lot of cloud in the sky meaning that the Luftwaffe can't fly, they can't see the beach, and gives the British a little bit of a a chance, a bit of rest, a bit of a, you know, not having to worry so much about being bombed, dive-bombed and things like that from the sky. And it, it gives the British that little bit more time to get these men off the beach, gives them a little bit more ease, I suppose, rather than the constant bombardment they they had the day before the downside to this is on the 28th Belgium also surrenders so the Belgian forces that were stopping the German divisions from coming onto Dunkirk from the east capitulate, disappear and now nothing really from the east is stopping the German advance onto Dunkirk Beach. Another thing that the, the soldiers did do was, if you ever look at Dunkirk, there is a part on the beach called the Eastern Mole. The Eastern Mole is, is almost like a jetty that juts out almost a mile into the sea, and it gives the British the ability to load onto the bigger ships because the water at the end of this jetty is deep enough for the ships to actually stay there and on this day 17,804 men are rescued off the eastern mole although they rescued a lot of people off the eastern mole once these ships entered into open waters they were fair game for the German bombers and, and a lot of ships were actually sunk with men on board so it did it did give them that, you know, the the sense of pride and you know, joy that they got off the off the sh- off the shore, and they a lot of soldiers that were on the beach, you know, were seeing these men. Looks like they're off to safety, and then two or three miles into open water, and these ships are getting sunk. The you know again, it's another so say nail in the coffin for the Allied forces on the beach that are thinking. You know, we're either going to die on this beach or we're going to get on a ship and we're going to get sunk. So, you know, again, it's just that another kick to morale, another another bad thing, another bad feather in the cap, another problem that the British forces had to overcome. And obviously, once word had spread that Belgium had, had surrendered, that belief started to die you know that that they were ever going to get off this beach the 29th of may 
the Germans carry on attacking the ships that are, you know, saving the British soldiers. They carry on sinking the ships and they turn their attention to the mole. They've realized at this point, hang on, this is how they're getting these guys onto the ships and they turn their attack onto that jetty. Luckily for the British, they do pretty much no damage to it. They don't they don't do that much and the British carry on rescuing men off that mole and, and off that beach and getting them to safety. And on the third day, like I said, on the 30th, sorry, 30th, on the 29th of May, they managed to save 47,310 men. So it's starting to look like they're going to save a few more than what they planned on saving in the first place. And it, you know, it's Operation Dynamo is becoming a little bit more of a success than what it looked like on the first two days. The following day, the British see a little bit of luck. The skies turn cloudy again. The Luftwaffe is put off by, you know, flying again. And there is an ease of pressure on around Dunkirk from the Panzer divisions and the German army. And the reason for that is on the 30th, this is when the Germans decided to implement what was known as Operation Red, which was where the Germans sent their forces away from Dunkirk and sent them south towards Paris and towards the rest of France. So they turned their attention away from the British and the plan now was to conquer France and to cement that stronghold in France. Now, again, another good day for the British and they managed to save 53,823 men. So, again, you know it's starting to look you know all of a sudden in one day they've saved the amount of more than the amount of men that they were planning to save during the whole operation there are still nearly 200,000 men stranded at the beach of Dunkirk so although it does look like they're they're doing well they're not doing well enough there are still hundreds of thousands of men stranded and although, like I said, the pressure eased from the Germans, it didn't stop completely. So they were still getting attacked. There were still shells being fired onto the beaches. There were still pressure from the Luftwaffe. Even though it was few and far between due to the weather, that pressure was still there and those that constant bombardment was still there for the British soldiers. On the 31st, probably one of the more famous reasons for Dunkirk... And, and it's the port of Ramsgate in England that has become famous for the Dunkirk evacuation. There were more than a hundred civilian ships, boats, ships, that were brought together to sail across the channel and save our boys. You know, they realised that the Navy could only do so much and to get the rest of the men off that sh that beach, the British public, the British fishermen, the barges, the, the men who had, you know, jobs at sea, the men who had yachts and things like that, they, they all got together and they bought their own private boats and they sailed across that channel under constant bombardment from the Germans to get our boys off that beach. Altogether, they were known as the, the little ships of Dunkirk. And they 
played a big part in saving the men on on the 31st. Again, the British were having a bit of luck. The German bombers had sailed, sorry, had flown south to deal with the fighting in southern France. And on the 31st, the little ships combined with you know some of the big royal navy ships managed to save 68,014 soldiers so they did create a huge difference on that day we're now going into june and june the 1st the germans realize how quickly the british are actually getting their men off the beaches and they turn their attack pretty much especially from the air they turn their attack from southern France back to Dunkirk and the respite or minor respite that the British had had on that beach for the last few days real you know the Germans realized that you know to actually stop to stop this they had to turn their attack back to the British and stop them from evacuating that beach and they did they you know they bombarded the British they constantly hammered the 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 panzer divisions turned to to bombard the beach the artillery bombarded the beach the luftwaffe the stuka dive bombers were constantly attacking the men on the beach and it really did look like back but almost like back at the start of the evacuation it went back to one of those days where the germans were throwing everything and the kitchen sink at the british forces on the beach and you know for for the guys who had been on that beach some of some of these guys had been on that beach for over a week now you know they knew at the start it looked like they were going to die then they're seeing some get rescued then they're seeing some of their comrades get rescued and then blown up in the water then they see the british spirit where the british public are sending small boats to come and rescue them but yet these guys are still not being rescued and there's a little bit of respite there's less attacks coming there's less pressure on them on the beach and it does look like they're going to get home and then the following day they're going back to the start where they're just getting bombarded again and if you're on that beach at that time i mean from what you've put up with to the point that you were at there i mean you you must have the fear the the just the pure distress and anxiety that these soldiers were feeling it's, it's almost uncomprehensible despite all the attacks that were going on the they actually managed to save on this day 62,429 men so despite obviously everything that was going on they still did a very very good job of evacuating our boys the following day very much the same from the germans you know that constant bombardment the you know the constant fear and the pressure that the british were under to get these men off the beach and not the best day in the world that they only managed to save 26,256 men so the pressure was starting to take its toll obviously at this point there wasn't you know there wasn't as many men to save on the beach but they still wanted to get the men off and you know at, at this time it's important to remember that you know th although i mean france gets a lot of stick the french get a lot of stick for 
what they you know for surrendering during the second world war but the only really the only reason the british managed to get the men off the beach was the french army were around the perimeter of dunkirk and it was the french army that stopped the germans getting onto that beach and you know completely i mean if the german army had got onto that beach we we wouldn't have got barely any men off that beach june the third again similar day similar numbers saved as well june the third twenty six thousand seven hundred and forty six men evacuated off the beach of dunkirk so the numbers are are similar you know that it's getting a steady pace of getting the men off the beach at this point and then june the 4th was the last day of the evacuation and they they did an overnight evacuation into june from the 3rd to the 4th and they saved 26,175 men so this was the last day of evacuations on the dunkirk beach so all in total this operation that was planning to save somewhere between 40,000 and 50,000 so around the 45,000 mark you know they they weren't planning on saving as many men as they did in total they saved 338,226 men got off those beaches at Dunkirk and a lot of it was to do with the British spirit that they showed back at home the little ships of Dunkirk you know probably one of the most famous events in history I mean, especially for the British that you know that ability for the British people to just turn around and go we've got no guns we've got no ammunition we've got nothing to defend ourselves we're going in wooden boats but we will go there and we will get our boys back you know some of these boats went out there i mean i live in grimsby there's trawlers and fishing boats in grimsby very very common and and a lot of these boats would have gone they're wooden boats they're not armed they only carry maybe 30 to 100 men anyway they wouldn't carry they wouldn't have taken loads of these these men off the beach but you know the these the captains of these little boats went out there if they could bring home 30 men then they brought home 30 more men that could defend this country should the nazis invade and that was what it was looking at you know it was looking at this time that that the nazis were going to invade britain you know and that's that's where we thought their eye was going next so as we can see operation dynamo was was a success it turned a massive military blunder into pretty much a military success had the british not got the amount of men off those beaches as they did i think germany probably would have invaded britain i think that would have been their next step you're talking about 300,000 extra men that are there to defend the country if they weren't there i'm pretty sure that they would have turned their attention straight away to taking britain and to landing forces on the british coastline which as we know they never did they never landed forces in britain and you know the success of dunkirk and it, i mean it's 
it's known in history as the miracle of Dunkirk. And to be fair, when you look at look at how it is represented and how it happened, it was a miracle. You're talking four hundred thousand men, roughly, on a beach, completely surrounded by the enemy. You know, miles from home, that they they can't get anywhere other than sea rescues. The boats that they're being sent to get on are not. Some of them are not armoured. Some of them have got no weapons aboard at all. Some of them are fishing boats, you know. And they managed to save 300,000 plus men on these beaches. And like I said, this is a story that's very close to my heart. Like I said, my great-grandfather was at Dunkirk. He was uh, evacuated from the beaches of Dunkirk. And uh, there's a story growing up that he used to tell us where he actually swam out to a boat. So you've seen the pictures, obviously, of the British queuing very nicely at the beach. And my grandfather, or my great-grandfather, actually swam out to one of these civilian boats to, to get on it. And was told that it was full and he couldn't get on it. To which my granddad replied if I don't get on this boat then someone will die and there will be a space for me Uh, in other words what he meant was if you don't let me on I'll kill you and I'll take your space and uh, he did he he did we didn't kill any he didn't kill them but he he did get on that boat they let him on and and he sailed back to to Blighty and and carried on fighting throughout the second world war you know he was a war hero, a lot of medals, uh, fought behind enemy lines in Italy, fought in Africa, um, fought in in, uh, in in the Arab states as well, behind enemy lines. And, you know, he was, to, to growing up, one of the influences behind me being interested in the war. And, you know, that what he told my dad has been fed to me through my dad and that's you know one of my my major interests in history has come you know from that side and from from learning about events like Dunkirk and the events of Dunkirk pretty much gave wave to one of possibly the most famous speeches ever made and that was by our Prime Minister on the 4th of June 1940 where Winston Churchill said we shall go on to the end we shall fight in france we shall fight on the seas and oceans we shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air we shall defend our island whatever the cost may be we shall fight on the beaches we shall fight on the landing grounds we shall fight in the fields and in the streets we shall fight in the hills we shall never surrender and even if which I do not for one moment believe, this island, or a large part of it, were subjugated and starving. Then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until, in God's good time, the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to rescue and the liberation of the old. So, I mean, that to me, even reading that speech gives me goosebumps. That is one of the pinnacle speeches that Winston Churchill made. And 
you know, he made some blinding speeches for a prime minister, some of the best speeches in world history. And if you ever get a chance to listen to it, I mean, I, I, I can't do the the Winston Churchill voice. We shall fight them on the breaches. I can't, you know, I'm not a can't do <laughs> can't do that. I'm not 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 got that accent. But you know, he definitely had that that ability to to grasp the nation behind him. And you know, he he did turn the nation on its head, and he did do what the what the public wanted you know the public didn't want to give in to Hitler they didn't want to give in to the Nazis they wanted to carry on that fight and that's exactly what they did you know they the the operation dynamo the evacuation of Dunkirk was one of the biggest turning points in the second world war and had it not have been for the success of the evacuation of Dunkirk it's almost unimaginable what what could have happened you know i, I personally i i don't think i would this podcast would be coming to you in english the, it, to me it was that that important in our history you know you've got to remember france had capitulated belgium had capitulated holland and luxembourg had gone you know Every country that was our allies had gone. Russia were no allies to Britain at this time. Poland had gone. You know, America hadn't entered the war yet. And at this point in history, America were point blank refusing to enter the war. They weren't, they they didn't want to pick a side. You know, they'd got involved in, in a European war, you know, earlier in the century. And they weren't really interested in getting involved in another one at this time. So... You know, the Britain were alone. Britain were completely alone for the first few years of that war. And you know Germany although, you know, a lot the French didn't give up and, and go and fight for the Germans, you know, all the French navy, a lot of the French navy was taken over by the Germans, the French air force was taken over by the Germans, you know, the the French military, although they wouldn't fight for the Germans all their weapons and ammunition was was taken by the Germans. So, not only had Germany built up this huge, almost you know unstoppable force, they now had the power behind it. You know, they had the ammunition, they had the weapons, they had you know everything to to take on Britain. And it really didn't look good for Britain at this time. And and the country rallied behind Winston Churchill you know Winston Churchill was the pioneer that got us through the war you know and I'm you know he did a lot of bad things as as prime minister he did a lot of bad things as home secretary before that and I'm not gonna sit here and say he was a a saint because he wasn't but I do believe had a different man been in charge I don't believe we would have won the second world war and you know, and that is why he is, you know, he has been voted as the greatest Briton. You know, he is the man on the five pound note. He is, history will tell you, he is the greatest leader Britain has had. You know, and like I said, he he had the the people the people backed him, and and that's what what Britain needed at the time. And you know, I will, I I will, like I said. Um, prior to this uh, this episode that we will be we are starting patreon now 
I will be hopefully getting that out. My first episode on Patreon will be going out this week. And if you are interested, it is going to be about Winston Churchill. It is not something I'm going to be able to do in one episode. It will probably be like a little mini-series that goes on to Patreon about Winston Churchill. And from what I'm I'm aware of Patreon, it's $2 a month. Uh, that's your starting the starting price I think you can you can go up in tiers you can pay as much as much or as little as you want um but it does give you access to those shows so as soon as they go up they there should be one going up uh in the week so if you are interested and do want to listen to the shows about Winston Churchill then like I said they will be going up this week uh, get yourselves on Patreon and and type in this week in history you know who we are um failing that I can see if you if it's not not your thing or you're not you're not interested in that then that's absolutely fine because we are going to be putting out another show next week um not too sure yet what we're going to do and uh that'll be something I I look into this week I've had a, a quite a few requests to be fair uh so I might start looking at one of those we might I think we'll probably uh look into one of those requests this week so uh, if you have put a request in for an episode keep an eye out because it might be your episode that goes up next week um if you're you're interested in you know letting me let me know if you want an, a certain episode doing get yourselves on the facebook group i plug it every week but get yourselves on it we've got 100 and something members now and like i said we'll play the game we'll put the, the picture up once i've decided which episode we're gonna do and we'll play the game this week as well but get yourselves on it it's this week in history podcast click on the link and we'll add you on there and you can play the game you can send me requests if there's a certain episode that you want to hear just post it on the group and I'll remember it and we'll we'll get certain ones done so for all of us here at this week in history I do want to say you know stay safe stay indoors and only leave the house if you have to uh, I'm not I don't work for the government but you know I do want to make sure that people are listening and uh, and following following the right guidelines and stay safe keep yourselves safe keep especially for this country keep the nhs safe and uh for for those of you a further afield you know make sure you're, you're looking after your family and things like that it's a it's a difficult time for us all at the moment and uh i hope hope everyone's staying well but for everyone at this week in history just remember guys we all have history make yours great see you next week bye bye your four-year-old can discover the joy of learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Listen, uncomplicate the way you do pre-K. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated. 
like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.